just gonna keep talking movies Old ones and modern Maybe one day we'll do a series On Harry fucking Potter Probably not, cause that'd be dumb So listen to us in the shower Or in your car If it sounds like we're having fun It's cause we're on drugs No, it's cause we are Now is time for me to wrap the song up John and I did a series on Akira Kurosawa Kurosawa, 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 that took about a month. We did it. Oof. We are now leading into a series that we've talked about uh, a lot, I think, a in li- past episodes. I don't, a little. I don't know if we ever did. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> no, we probably, probably mentioned no, I think it once we, or twice. We mentioned like, uh, wanting Tossed to uh, talk about movies from the 30s, I believe. But I don't think we ever talked mm-hmm. necessarily about like Frank Capra and Barbara, Barbara Stanwyck. Maybe, True, yeah. maybe ever. But uh, definitely, yeah. definitely yeah. movies from the 30s. Yeah, so and, now yeah. we're moving on to that new series about movies from the 30s um, and featuring uh, all the movies for this episode are both by Frank Capra and both starring Barbara Stanwyck, um, two household names um, from the classic film era. And uh, Frank Capra, if you don't know him, he uh, directed... Um, it's a wonderful life. So, yeah, so now, so now you Washington. do know him. <laughs> so now you know. Yeah, him. you just need to mention um, that name. Yeah. Whether or not you've even seen "It's a Wonderful Life," you definitely know about it. It's um, definitely one that's been talked about. I would say up there with you know "Wizard of Oz" and yeah, "Cities Gain." You know, the ones that people know about but maybe haven't seen, or yeah, the ones that one people of the top iconic seen, yeah. classic films and yeah, pop culture or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And he um, he directed two movies in the 30s that we're going to talk about today, Ladies of Leisure and The Miracle Woman. And we're going to get into those in a second. But, uh, but first, Luke and I have seen some movies since our last podcast. So, uh, we usually have. <laughs> we usually have. We've usually seen uh, quite a bit. Uh, Luke, what have you seen lately? Uh, anything of note since our last podcast? Yeah. Then? almost a month a few weeks yeah definitely um i recently watched uh butch cassidy and the sundance kid for the (laughs) first time and uh that was a very fulfilling watch uh yeah i was very pleased (laughs) with that one one of my favorites Yeah, yeah i can see why it's very well regarded by um most people and um yeah i could tell i was just I've, I was just so engrossed in that movie the entire time, just in the characters and their their journey, adventure, every everything. Yeah, it's like I think we've been talking a little bit about favorite westerns lately, and like mm-hmm. it, there are a few westerns that I can think of where I'm like as invested in the characters as I am in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Yeah, I yeah I agree. That's one of my favorite westerns. And I love that it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's one of those that I can watch over and over again without really getting 
tired of it. Yeah, it's like um, it's like equally fun and it's also really emotionally compelling at the same time. Like, mm-hmm. and it just hits every uh, hits every note for me like perfectly. Like when they when they when they just like run out at the end, you know, ugh. in the ending, I just like was like, oh yeah, I like got it right away. I was like, yes, like that is yes. that is sick. Like how they're That's just like, they're, like we're going to Australia and everything, and then they just run out guns blazing. I just thought that was so cool. I thought that was yeah, that was the perfect ending for those two characters. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Paul Newman and Robert Redford are always so cool, and these are like perfect roles for them. Yeah, and yeah, just that final that final uh, shot of them running out. Yeah, the the cover likely. the cover of the film. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I love that movie so much. Um, yeah. Uh, anything else? Uh, def- definitely. Um, that was for sure. Probably seen the a couple most, more movies. Yeah, that was for sure the most notable one. It's why I, it's why I began with that. Um, mm-hmm. I watched High Fidelity for the first time the other day. Oh, the John, okay. John Cusack, Cusack, the John Cusack record store romantic comedy movie. <laughs> <laughs> I really is Jack Black in that too. Yeah, of course. Jack Black is one of his employees in the record store he owns, and he's yeah. <laughs> and he's always going like. <laughs> like playing air guitar and like see so yeah it's it's, it's yeah it's great it's one of those movies where like um i immediately related to um just it, it had a lot of just so many pop culture music references and mm-hmm. kind of seamlessly he related all these pop culture references about music to his like love life in this rom-com and i thought it actually worked very well um yeah and it was one i have been looking to see for a while because it is just it is just such a well-known movie from the 2000s -hmm. just like comedy wise and i think it's when people mention john cusack it's one of the first things they talk about so it's good to cross that off the list nice high fidelity um other than that i mean there's not much else i watched like i watched the dark knight trilogy again that was fun. Oh, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> that was a good time uh because i hadn't seen those in a while and um <laughs> those are obviously those are obviously something <laughs> those are those are i guess polarizing films polarizing would, would you pull pol- away because what do you how, uh, what do you mean well i would say because it's not in the sense of like um, I don't even know what's compared to, but the fact that they're regarded as, you know, by a lot of nerds and including myself at one time, you know, like the greatest movies ever, the greatest trilogy yeah. ever. Um, and I gotta be honest, I loved the dark Knight rises when I first saw it, uh, saw it at midnight and, uh, I loved it seeing it since then. It's just a little. It's a little. Uh, a little messy when you yes. really. Yes. No. Very when you much. You actually think about it. Yeah. Um, I've but had, still um, just highly regarded. I agree with everything you're saying. Like I've had my problems with the trilogy for the same reasons. Just people like really like um, over hype them a lot uh, and kind of ruin them for me. And I kind of rediscovered them yeah. this weekend because I I was like screw when I was watching them I'm like screw all these people for 
ruining this for me because these are like my childhood movies like i really yeah, right. i like these and these hold like a good place but so many people have talked over talked about them that i like forgot that i genuinely enjoy them like quite a lot like yeah. i was watching the dark knight and like i was just enjoy having such a great time watching the dark knight and yeah the dark knight rises though does uh it's it kind of sucks <laughs> like <laughs> like the narrative really falls apart for me as it goes on um yeah it's uh it's got great it, things but uh mm-hmm. but like it's one of those that you don't you can't think about like logistics of some things oh otherwise, no yeah uh, otherwise no, it just ruins no, you it can't, completely it gives yeah. you such a headache to think about yeah. it but i yeah. still yeah i still find uh well, I, I still love Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. Yeah, de- oh, definitely. They're um, both, they built, both still hold up very well. And they're just, yeah. they're very fun. And I think the thing that ages them the best is probably like, not just like Nolan's like crime thriller vision, but probably like Hans Zimmer's score, especially. Yeah. I think like, I think I realized that Hans Zimmer's score like carries um the films like quite a bit like because just like even in batman begins like him just playing that same tone over and over again it's like (laughs) it's just like it's just like wide landscapes of mountains and you're just like holy shit this is a movie right now (laughs) (laughs) i i enjoyed that aspect of it just i know the movies so well so i was able to really dive deep into into it this time around nice yeah yeah i still find the dark knight rises really enjoyable but uh yeah it's it's like i said it's one that i have to just ignore a lot of things uh ignore a lot of logistics but uh yeah there's other movies like that too but uh yeah that's a fun one to revisit i actually that that might inspire me to to do that sometime soon um because i think it's been a few years since i've seen seen any of those really yeah but, yeah uh, they have yeah. been a while of extra long time for me and i i'm i'm thinking about just like rewatching other nolan stuff in general like i might rewatch inception um mm-hmm. i'm not sure if i would do interstellar um yeah interstellar is not one of my favorites i'm not sure, sure about i'm not sure if i'd do any of the other one i but definitely inception i will probably rewatch yeah i do uh i, I really like memento and and I loved Inception when it came out. Christopher Nolan, he's definitely he's one of those guys that can get someone into into movies. Oh yeah, definitely. You know? Definitely. Um wide appeal, but, very yes. ambi- very ambi- fairly ambitious. Yeah. Yeah. Then I think some people get annoyed that uh you know like I don't know frat boys or something would consider him like the greatest director ever. So not actually frat boys, but yeah, no, bros, I, have a, I, I, have a, I have a frat yeah. boy friend who uh, spe- he specifically. Well, he's not even a friend anymore. I hate him actually. <laughs> uh, he he would listen to this podcast tell this story. I think we were like about to see like Captain Marvel or something, and Captain uh-huh. Marvel like Captain Marvel sucked. And I didn't yeah. want to see it. And he's like, I wonder how good this is going to be. Movie, movie's going to be. So he uh, he checked how it was rated on Rotten Tomatoes. And if, it oh, was rated yeah. pretty well, as I think most Marvel movies are, especially on their opening True. weekend. And he was like, well, that rating's like as high as, w- let's look at IMDb, The Dark Knight. And he's <laughs> like, so it's like rated as like, as high as like the best <laughs> movie of all time. And I was just like, <laughs> I was just like, really tr- not i was like really trying not to say anything like rude or anything 
but it yeah. was just like mm-hmm. such an annoying it was such an annoying conversation to have yeah <laughs> it's one of those it's not worth it uh to jump in and yeah say anything else yeah it's um, like if that's your th- if moment. that's your thought process like there's no reason for me to say anything you know that's like that's fine yeah yeah definitely um but yeah, I okay. mean that, that probably does it for my movies. I I did rewatch a couple yeah. other things. I guess if I can mention briefly. I rewatched Vertigo because um, mm. it's nice. uh, the best movie of all time. That really is the best. <laughs> really, movie of in all our time. opinion, <laughs> AFI even said so. Yeah, <laughs> the American Film Institute. Right, and uh, yeah, Vertigo really uh, really rocked my world. Took me for a ride as as it should. Um, I'm planning on rewatching those uh, those um, big Hitchcock movies mm. probably before like October, I think. Oh, nice. as like a yeah, way of getting call. me back into like like take like everything that inspired the horror horror genre, you know, and like before I watch a bunch of horror movies in October, I think. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I guess um, when it comes to what I've seen lately, uh, I've gotten a little bit of, I've been bit by the Western bug, and I tried to um, check out more Westerns that I've been wanting to see for a while, and uh, one of those that I absolutely loved is High Plains Drifter, um, the Clint Eastwood-directed mm. Western. I think it was the second movie he's ever directed. Um, and it was one that I had always heard about, but didn't really know too much. And, um, I was actually reading some Reddit thread about bone Tomahawk, which is one of my favorite, like recent good, movies. Good movie. Yeah. And people were comparing this to bone Tomahawk really? with its, I guess with its violence it's and like low budget. Um, yeah, I guess I would, I would say it's, it's not some grandiose Western, um, you know, it's not like Rio Bravo, uh, in any sense of the, uh, yeah. of the word like that. But uh, um, yeah, but the thing that caught me was they said it was similar to um, Bone Tomahawk with like supernatural type elements, which Bone Tomahawk isn't really supernatural, but they have, um, uh, I guess, unique uh, antagonists uh, in the film. <laughs> right, definitely. And um, so I was like intrigued by that. And I, d- I just figured it was sort of a run-of-the-mill Western with Clint Eastwood and watched it and yeah it completely blew me away i was not expecting nice. um the movie to be what it was so yeah i would definitely recommend that if uh if anyone hasn't seen it yet um i would put it up there with uh leone's westerns too and i i think clint eastwood even said it was a bit of an homage to sergio leone oh, okay cool yeah i, I figure yeah. like he probably like learned how to direct in a way Definitely. from Leone, probably because he he started directing soon after he did the Leone trilogy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I haven't gotten into old Eastwood movies as much like the ones that he directed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, that got me wanting to pre nineteen nineties. Yeah, and then I guess other a couple other westerns that I've now seen are uh, my darling Clementine which is a uh, John Ford movie with Henry Fonda. Uh, basically, it surrounds the gunfight at OK Corral, which a ton of Westerns do. Um, and uh, yeah, it's 
part of the Criterion Collection as well. It's highly regarded gotcha. film. Was it? Uh, yeah. yeah, I think they have a decent amount of John Ford movies on there now. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I saw you watch One Eyed Jacks. Yes, and that was the next one I was going to. I've mention, wanted to watch One-Eyed that one Jacks. for a little while. I think just because of the obvious, it was directed by Marlon Brando. It's, directed by Marlon Brando. <laughs> the only Marlon film. Brando. The only film he directed. Yeah. It, yeah, must, it and, uh, must it must be something like it, even if you don't like it like I feel like it has to be just a very interesting watch since that guy made it. Yeah, it is for sure, and he's great in it. And um, yeah, it's a good uh, it's good old fashioned revenge story. Um, yeah, and uh, it's a it's a really well shot western I think too. Mm. Um, and and it's it's a bit more unique too. Uh, Set in set in California, I love the setting. Um, a lot of great, uh, a lot of great Western town and Western beach shots. Which I don't know why, but Western I just beach ate that shots. Up. <laughs> yeah, like like what you know, Calif- like a California Western oh. more than just like the wide open frontier. It's like they're on the coast. Gotcha. Um, and for some reason, that was a, I felt like that was a bit of a. I don't know a curveball. Yeah, usually it's you know just the wide open frontier. Yeah, I never. I'm not used. I never see beaches usually. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when I jacks, another so yeah, you're I watching. You're around. watching westerns all around the map. Yeah, and now I've added a bunch more to my list that I want to check out. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. When, I, when it's the summertime, I just I right. want to watch westerns. Nice. Yeah. Uh, you watched uh, Phantom of the Paradise. Yep. And then another thing I've been trying to do is you know, finish up a lot of these directors filmography, or at least like the big, the big movies from these directors. Um, Phantom of the Paradise was one I've been trying to watch for a while from Brian De Palma. Uh, and I saw it was only on shutter. So mm. this is a unpaid endorsement of shutter, but I did the free trial <laughs> so I could watch Phantom of the Paradise. Nice. Um, yeah. And it's, I really, I haven't seen a De Palma movie that I, haven't uh haven't really liked um this is definitely one of my favorites yeah uh really fun unique horror yeah, type movie yeah um, great, great music yeah great music too i always uh, think of like yeah. the the i think it's like a round table scene oh is, yeah isn't yeah, it yeah. where they kind of just like circle around between different musical acts i think yep that's mm-hmm. usually what i think of when i think of this movie yeah, great music right from the the get go too. Great premise. Um, yeah, and then along the same lines of the Palma, I saw Sisters. Yeah, which is one I've been wanting to see for a while too. Yeah, Criterion that, that's Collection. A, that's a good one. Scary. Another good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm trying to I guess see all the De Palma that I can because I've yet to see one that I didn't really like. Um, yeah, and then and then some some classics thrown in there too, um, and then uh, I guess the last one I'll touch on of what I've been watching lately is um, I saw Good Boys this week weekend, which was a Ooh, the, yeah the the younger new, uh, super bad. Yeah, it's interesting. It's uh, comes out the same year as uh, Booksmart, um, and it's sort of like Booksmart, but with twelve year olds. Um, it's sort of like super bad, but with 12 year olds, but, um, it was an enjoyable film. It had some good laughs. It wasn't like, uh, I wouldn't compare it to book smart because I felt like book smart, which was much more fresh, right? Even though it had similar, um, 
similar storylines as other movies we've seen, obviously, but it still felt fresh. Good Boys is um, it's worth seeing um, for a few laughs, but uh, but yeah, and it was also wrote, written, and directed by um, Gene Stupinski and Lee Eisenberg, who I know we're familiar with because he they have uh, wrote and directed some of the best Office episodes. Oh, okay, I, um, good, good. You mentioned I didn't know their names by. Yeah, yeah, like that. But uh, wow, cool. Yeah, it's Off got the top of my head is dinner party. Um, <laughs> dinner. Oh, um, which is one of my wait, top five favorite. They, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, so they directed like one of the best things that's ever been made. <laughs> yeah, in TV. Exactly. Yeah, cool. Yeah, they they're um, well. Yeah. They, yeah, they are well deserved to be directing a feature movie. Then definitely yeah because i've watched apparently another film they they wrote was with uh harold ramis was year one oh yeah uh, which i'm, I'm sorry not, I i'm not that, very but, good uh, movie <laughs> yes um but yeah yeah and there's a uh, produced by uh point gray with seth and evan goldberg and uh yeah jonah sure. hill produced it too so it's got like yeah it's got them behind it they're pro- they're probably very into watching kids uh curse yes so they're like why not make a movie about that yeah there's definitely a lot of i almost thought it was too much it was like right it's it is funny to see i feel like i feel like at a point you're gonna be like all right this is this is ridiculous yeah (laughs) but then i I think like i don't even think in middle school people were saying you know fucking shit that much (laughs) but uh um they were they were they were a bit for me at least it felt like that I guess in the movie, I guess it felt like they like they used it every day. Yeah, like, in the every everyday talk. every sentence. But yeah. maybe when you're older, you're just like these kids seem so young. Do they really talk like this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did I talk like that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Good Boys. So that's another 2019 movie that I've seen. Because um, along with those westerns, <laughs> I'm also trying to see as many movies as I can. <laughs> That come out in 2019. <laughs> Along with those westerns. <laughs> <laughs> those pesky westerns that I can't get enough of. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I credit that to Rio Bravo, actually. Oh, getting really? Me, getting me into the western kick. Um, nice. And then after yeah. uh, Blowout, you watch two more De Palmas. So these, exactly. these series we, we're doing are... They really are worth something. <laughs> now I'm just going to binge Barbara Stanwyck movies. There are, there are a lot of them. <laughs> yes, true. <laughs> I was looking across her filmography. Uh, well, yeah, Luke, should we? Uh, that's should a good get, segue then. Should yeah, we definitely. Get into the two movies for this week. Maybe yeah, we'll take a quick break. Yeah, definitely. And then dive into Ladies of Leisure and The Miracle Woman. Woo! <laughs> We are back, and it's time for Ladies of Leisure, or Leisure. <laughs> I just like saying leisure. I don't, leisure, I don't yeah. think it matters how you say it. But uh, yeah, we again, we saw these two Frank Capra 1930s movies, early 30s too, 1930 and 1931. Yeah, we decided to start from the beginning. Yeah, and uh, two movies that I personally have never heard of. But uh, of course, I was interested in seeing them just based on Frank Capra, um, and they both star Barbara Stanwyck, who I'm gonna pull up my notes here, but I'm gonna also try to remember. She's also been in um, the Lady Eve, 
which is a movie I recently watched. And then, okay, what else? Uh, she was in Double Indemnity. Double Indemnity, um, yes. That was by a good one. Uh, Billy Wilder. Um, Ball of Fire uh, by um, Howard Hawks. Um, what, like, one of my favorite Frank Capra movies, actually, she's also in uh, Meet John Doe. Meet John Doe, nice. Yeah. Yeah, Capra is one in general that I have to, um, I have to delve into more. Um, but it seems like uh, Capra and Stanwyck worked together quite a bit back in the day. Right. I'm not sure, like, off the top of my head how long their run went for, you know, mm-hmm. or, like, how many years or how many movies. But just from just from glancing the internet pages, it seems like quite a lot. Yeah, and obviously it makes sense. Uh, very talented director and a very talented actress so um yeah why not pair up together and uh we're gonna be starting out with uh this is this is pretty much our our feminist episode it's all about the ladies yes Mm -hmm. so uh this one's for you ladies (laughs) um and we'll start with the ladies of leisure which was um chronologically the first one 1930 (laughs) and uh i'm going to read the uh, now, the plot summary on IMDb is pretty short. Let's see if there's another one. There's the letterbox uh, one. Do you want me to read that? Oh, yeah. Read off the letterbox I one. have it pulled up. All Let's right. see that. Um, they usually have pretty entertaining ones. Um, so, it's the all-talking drama of New York's nightlife. Jerry Strong is the son of a rich businessman but wants to be a painter. He hires Kay Arnold, a good girl with a bad past, as a model. They fall in love and plan to get married. But Jerry's parents raise strong objections. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I know the exact reaction you should have. Strong objections. It's like such an it's like such an obvious like melodrama plot. Yeah. It's uh, and I feel like there's so many uh films from back in the day where it's where you know these are grown adults and uh there's a lot of conflict between their parents not approving of their um you know, of right. their fiance or their right. husband or wife. Um, right. Which is just kind of funny because I mean, obviously nowadays like parents have those, uh, have those issues too, but um, not like, not like back then. <laughs> back then it was back then it was a, this was probably like a very relatable, yeah, relatable conflict. It was almost like we had arranged marriages um, in the U S well, yeah, it was like almost there because in this film, uh, Jerry Jerry Strong's dad sit, wants him to marry his longtime fiance instead, and yeah, and like <laughs> Jerry Strong no, doesn't even like look the other way ever. You <laughs> yeah. know? He doesn't he doesn't think about. It's almost as if he didn't choose to marry her. He doesn't think about his own like feelings for his fiance like at all. It's like almost like it's completely his parents like set it up. Yeah. And to go off of that, I'll say I'll say first. I thought Barbara Stanwyck was great. Um, oh, definitely, yeah. And uh, the uh, I've seen three, four Stanwyck movies now, and she's great in all of them. She's really strong female character. Um, and I got to be honest, I hated Jerry Strong, <laughs> Ralph Graves in this movie. Um, I don't know if I he hated, a, but I just didn't really care at all about him um, whatsoever. He has a. He made me like chuckle like yeah. unintentionally every yes. time. Like he like was laughing in her face. It was just like 
really good. It was just like really weird. Yeah. Yeah. He was kind of like someone who, if I met him in person, I'd be like, Oh God, I like get me away from this guy. (laughs) It's just so weird. Um, and, uh, yeah, and like I said, I, I mean, I really loved Stanwick. She was great, but it felt yeah, their dynamic felt weird to me because, uh, especially during the painting scenes where she's like posing for him, I felt really like uncomfortable. And yeah, I was almost like laughing too because um, he was just so monotone and dry and dull. Yeah, and I, I just yeah, it just felt weird. It almost felt like he she, she kind of drove all that. Uh drama between them forward i felt like just because yeah she is so good and you you do like relate to her i think mostly throughout it like mm-hmm. totally yeah. yeah that was the strongest the strongest parts of it for sure were um her and just i guess her character arc and where it takes her in the end uh and i did like the ending i guess oh the end yeah the ending was mm-hmm. good it, it probably um forced me to maybe rate it a little like more than I should have. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. trying to like learn how to rate classic Hollywood movies more. Yeah. It's tough sometimes. because it, it is because they are. So a lot of them just are telling a, they do just tell a simple story well mm-hmm. and have good acting and have that. Ho- and they're all very similar. So I'm, I'm trying to like learn how to distinguish between them more because I give a lot of them just a four. Yeah, yeah, four is a good... <laughs> like, uh, it's like an honorary four, like when I like don't know what to rate it, you know? Yeah, and you do have to, I guess, put them in the, put them in the time. You know, you can't compare... I mean, you can compare them, but um, you have to take into account just the times, yeah. the culture, society uh, yeah. in 1930. Like, film, movies were so different back then, mm-hmm. and... Um, I think just the the scale is like I is different. I think you need to have seen so many movies in order to have a very specific rating scale for classic Hollywood movies. Yeah, it's tough, and there could be some that you may not um, love as much. Like I didn't, I didn't hate Ladies of Leisure by any means, but it, it it was one that I guess I don't need to go back to probably yeah and it, it wasn't it was just one of those where out. you can easily just doze you can doze mm-hmm. during it very much so it's just it didn't have a much to grip you in yeah um and and there are some classic movies like that but you can still see the importance of it and um i guess the impact of its um that it had during its time um and yeah uh, yeah, and occasionally there's there's one that you don't like, and maybe uh, you wouldn't have liked it if you were around in 1930 either. So, and, and especially when we're when we mentioned that like it's this is definitely like a love story, mm-hmm. and that one of the characters in the romance is not very strong. Yeah, you know that just kind of takes you out of it. Yeah, um, and especially when it's his like the conflicts is that his parents aren't allowing them to be together you know like i did not feel for jerry strong in that sense i felt always for um barbara stanwick's character you know and there should have been much more uh uh, like internal conflict for jerry strong and i just really didn't feel any ever yeah yeah that's why i felt i just felt like he was kind of dull throughout it and i was definitely rooting for barbara stanwick's character 
Um, and she was yeah. actually like a fun person. Right. Yeah, she yeah, did things she... that were fun, but they were considered like, yeah, like I think the plot summary said she had a bad past. And it's like, yeah, she just liked yeah. to have a good time. <laughs> well, yeah, it was kind of, um, it, it's almost like she, it, they, it's like unexplicitly that she was like a prostitute or something like that. And mm-hmm. this was like her, and that this is her way out and of trying to find, um, like a new uh a new confidence in life to like you know a new life basically and Mm -hmm. i thought that i thought that whole part was really interesting and her performance definitely sold me on it like as as she's painting as he's like painting her she's like easily being like you talk to like we said that you know he's very dry during the painting scenes and she even says like you are you talk to me don't even talk to me like a person when you paint me <laughs> yeah that's true yeah that's actually it's kind of like mm-hmm. her just being you know just saying that she's been treated as an object as a while for a while because she's just been like going to these parties with these rich men most for most of her life i guess mm-hmm. yeah and i think capra um is another one i would say like hawks who is a bit ahead of its time as far as um letting women sort of take charge uh, in films. And uh, I think with both uh, the ones we're talking about today, that's true. Uh, and yeah, that's a good point that she, she takes a stand and says that she's kind of sick of being <laughs> treated like that her whole life. And, uh, and yeah, she may not be a perfect, innocent, uh, innocent girl. That doesn't mean that um, she would be a bad, you know, a bad wife to Jerry or, you know, that she would, continue to go back to her her past life but uh yeah that's ladies of leisure yeah and she truly does show a lot of like good just genuine sadness throughout this as well which um also yeah was a solid part of the movie yeah yeah she was definitely great she was the uh the big uh standout from this she definitely uh sells that uh that star quality mm-hmm. you can tell in both in, bo- in both of these and like i think one of the one of the things i'm really learning more about just cla- about just classic hollywood movies in general and how they were um constructed is like is that the first thing that they like went with was usually just star power like they ran on star power yeah. and i think like yeah like the more the more you like i you learn like the filmography of all of these like movie stars the more you'll understand just the hollywood machine back then almost i feel like cuz a lot of them were just built around these stars totally yeah yeah and you can you can really tell with um i think the movies that we're talking about today that yeah they were built around barbara stanwyck and uh and yeah and there's a reason for that um yeah i guess anything else for ladies of leisure or should we uh segue on into the miracle woman uh, yeah i'm ready to i'm ready to leave this one <laughs> all right and then we're moving on to 1931 uh, <laughs> we're jumping a year ahead year of the future uh here i'll read the imdb one if uh if the letterbox one is better then we'll we'll read that one too um but the miracle woman 1931 After an unappreciated minister dies, his daughter loses her faith in God, prompting her to open a phony temple with a con man. Can the love of a blind aviator restore her faith and happiness? (laughs) That last (laughs) sentence kind of takes a left turn. (laughs) But uh, yeah, yeah. that's a good gist. That's still still good enough. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, yeah, I think I'll start off by saying that I liked this one a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fairly, I, I, I had already heard, like, I was looking forward to this one because I've heard good things about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of reminded me, like, of, like, movies in the vein of, um, like, A Face in the Crowd. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, like, like, Meet, you haven't seen Meet John Doe yet, but, it, like, like, Meet John Doe, like, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Network or... Spike Lee's Bamboozled. I've seen most of the work. Yeah, yeah. Just I, kind I can of see that just, comparison. Just kind of movies where, um, like a like a prophetic figure is like, um, kind of changing uh, the the consciousness of like of a gr- certain group of people. Mm-hmm. Ra- rather, it's like religious or a certain country or, or whatever, and they're kind of like using it for profit almost. Yeah. Um, like meet meet John Doe is that is like the essential premise, but it's used more through uh, news media rather than this, which is uh, through religion. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and I thought this one did it very well. Um, I think I thought it hit it hit it like hit that note like right from the get go with her big speech where she's just uh, really crucifying everyone in her father's church. Yeah. And I thought that scene was really great. She just comes out like just just crying, just so devastated no and holds just barred, yelling yeah. yelling at all these people and they all just kind of flee yeah. simultaneously. I thought that was a great scene. Yeah, again, another uh, another standout scene from Barbara Stanwyck. Um Yeah. Cuz that she, definitely I takes a strong. She actress. reminds me of like a she reminds me of like a Peanuts character sometimes. <laughs> Like the way she like that. the way she yells, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, and complains. Like I don't know her voice; it reminds me of a Peanuts character. Yeah, I could see that, especially in this movie. Yeah, yeah, and she's uh, she's great at being, I guess, a manipulative uh, character like this. Um, and another one that she's in that I've seen recently, the Lady Eve. Um, she's also kind of working a con, and she's manipulative and. Uh, but still, at the end of the day, um, you know you're on her side. You you root for her, and uh, and this one too. And like you said, right from the get go, that strong speech, and then you know a, scene, a couple of scenes later when she's, um, I, I don't know if you would call it performing or whatever, but there's with the lions. Yeah, basically, basically, yeah she's essentially basically, performing. Yeah, she is. Um, yeah, those are uh, just incredible scenes, just to like grip you into the story from right the beginning. And uh, yeah, yeah, and I feel like this is a premise that holds up for today's standards because I think there is still Definitely. a lot of this going on. You there could is even certainly say that the a president... crisis, a crisis of faith. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that will always. That's why this movie will always be relevant in a way. Yeah, I, I could see uh, you know politics nowadays. I think. Um, it reminded me of, of people sort of blindly following someone for, right. um, you know, cause they think it's going to bring them something that, uh, it often doesn't, but, uh, and I guess, you know, with any sort of, there's a lot of celebrity culture around things that, uh, you wouldn't really expect to be celebrities, uh, I guess, you know, whether it be televangelists or something like yeah. that. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and like a lot of movies in this, um, 
with a storyline similar to this, it kind of plays off media in a way, yeah. like how she's um, like, really she's able to ascend um, to, to like a cultish following just through like one news line of her, just like screw, like just becoming known for like yelling at everyone and till the point where they run out of the church yeah. basically. And um, that, Ah, what I, I believe it's uh, David Manners, or is it John Carson, the character who kind of uh, just uses that one moment to like capitalize off of it as like a pu- publicity stunt? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, and that's where I guess where you you can still empathize with her character as you you know you have this other mastermind behind it. Who uh, yeah. in a way double crosses her, which as well. is which is usually the case in these movies. Like, um, like in Meet John Doe, I believe uh, Barbara Stanwyck plays the um, publicist who's kind of manipulating the media through this new uh, phenomenon, which is John Doe. And there's a character like just like that in um, a face in the crowd. Um, and there's a, a newswoman in network um, doing the same thing. Um, I played by Faye Dunaway in network. So it's kind of, you kind of see patterns in mm-hmm. all these kinds of movies. And this is one of the earliest of those movies, I would say yeah. for sure too. And it's very well done. I, th- it, it, I fell out of it a little bit when it, it when it, um, kind of fell into a romance more so because mm-hmm. I just kind of like the more big showy stuff in these types of movies. But um, I still thought it hit, hit home be- as like Barbara Stanwyck just starts to like um, really become tormented about um, like everything she's done up to that point. And um, the romance with her uh, blind boyfriend just plays into that very well. And yeah, whenever Barbara Stanwyck kind of breaks down, it usually works. Yeah, <laughs> she's a she's a great crier. Yeah, that's I was for just sure. gonna say that too. Yeah, both of <laughs> like these. in both in both these movies, wherever she cries, like I'll I like pause. Like you believe in my it? Head, I'm like, yeah. You're like, oh man, this is tough. <laughs> <laughs> this must be really tough on her. <laughs> <laughs> As I'm eating chips, <laughs> yeah. watching this, watching Miracle Woman <laughs> eating a frozen pizza. Yeah, wow, this is like my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and uh there was uh there's definitely moments like in ladies of leisure where i guess it dipped for me a little bit and i was i i lost yes i lost yes. a little bit of interest but then um then i guess it started to to wrap me back in uh especially because i thought that this relationship just worked better than um than her, her and Jerry in Ladies of Leisure. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, and her because her and, her love interest was more of a, a empathetic character too. Yeah, and it and it, it's kind of like Capra playing into like a into um, a story from the Bible that the fact that like this blind guy is like has started to like rely on her mm-hmm. almost. Like, there's a lot of like I'd say like um, parallels to Christianity in this movie that I could probably dive more into on a second viewing yeah for sure for sure and uh another random uh thing i noticed is 
I, back in these old Hollywood days, they just all willy nilly used these wild African big cats in their yeah, in their films, yeah. and it just like yeah, um, it's crazy. Like, to uh, me. like bringing up baby, bringing up baby. Did you watch that, yeah, yeah. The, the the tiger scene <laughs> yeah. in bringing up baby, yeah. It's like this I, is real. They did all this with real animals. I yeah, yeah, yeah I know. Um, yeah, they did that often. I'm trying to think of another one. I, I'm pretty sure there's others I've seen lately where they use jungle cats to uh, an extreme. Yeah, there's definitely looser laws on, um, you know, on animal animal cruelty laws back then, as circuses right. were much bigger, and uh, now uh, now they aren't doing uh, too well, <laughs> clearly. But yeah, I just found that like. Just as a society, um, societal topic, that uh, it's baffling to me how relaxed they are. Just having twenty lions uh, yeah. in this cage with these actors that <laughs> and are and obviously this like movie. not necessarily maybe not even trained, but I don't know. They're under some. They're probably restrained, maybe in Hopefully, some way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just for and like, like just for the fact that they seem so comfortable to do this many takes around yeah lions and stuff and yeah yeah <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of work i i believe if we ever get into silent um cinema like uh like uh like chaplin or keaton or stuff there'd be mm-hmm. a lot of stuff with that for sure yeah like i think there's like a bear scene in the gold rush or something like that where he's like a bears after Charlie oh, yeah, Chaplin that sounds familiar, or something. Yeah. I think so. I think it's that one. Yeah. And we'll definitely get into those, um, to those sometime too. Um, yeah. And the, and the miracle woman is one that for sure holds up for today. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a quintessential, uh, Capra for sure. Like it mm-hmm. reminded me of like the themes and the, especially the, um, even though it does end on a dark note, it's kind of got an optimistic tone and yeah, totally. a lot of empathy, a lot of empathy for the characters. Um, and I, you can see that in Capra's other work too. Mm-hmm. I, I think Capra was known for like, at least from what I've like learned is that like out of a lot of the classic Hollywood directors, I like along with possibly Howard Hawks, he's probably one of the more, um, optimist optimistic like feel good like film directors from this time because yeah a lot of the classic hollywood directors i like are like um they're it's like billy wilder and like nick ray nick ray and um uh yeah people like that who have a lot of like dark stuff in their movies like hitchcock as well Mm -hmm. a lot of dark stuff and i think i think capra was like um known as like a filmmaker just for like the family audiences in the, when the movie industry was booming like this, like mm-hmm. a director for everyone almost. Yeah. And yeah. And I think it was a, it was a bold move to go at religion like he did back in this day. Um, and I know looking more into this, this is all in the pre code era before the, the Catholic church started, I guess, attacking the Hollywood yeah. industry. Oh yeah. That was, a, that was a big thing. I think that happened in the fifties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, yeah. Bold to, I guess, to take a blatant shot at that, and um, uh, yeah, that's why I think it's uh, it's still important today, because almost a hundred years later, like you know, there's still a lot of 
sort of that blind following that goes on, not just in Christianity, but in, uh, and not just in religions in general, but, uh, everything. Yeah. Anything. Yep. (laughs) And the media definitely doesn't help with that. So, um, yeah. Miracle woman, a timeless, timeless Capra film from 1931. And I think it's clear to say that miracle woman is probably one that we would recommend over ladies of leisure. Yes. Not to, not to say anything bad about ladies of leisure. It's still, it's still a quality film, but if um, you want us, if you're trying to be like us and start from the beginning, there's no shame in just skipping over the first, (laughs) skipping over the first one and just starting with miracle woman. Yeah. And, uh, and if you haven't even delved into Frank Capra at all yet, start with it's a wonderful life because, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of the greatest of all time. So yeah, it's a treat. Yeah. Uh, Luke, anything to conclude, uh, conclude our, the first episode in our series of the the thirties. Um, I, no, I'd, I'd like to say, I'm happy that we, I crossed off more movies off my list yeah. and I wanted to do the Capra thing. So I'm happy we did the Capra thing. Like yes. I, it feels like we're changing it up by going back in time more and um, mm-hmm. just like a new director. And there's even like, there's probably another, there's another Capra on the Criterion channel that I'll probably watch another Capra sandwich just so I can like say I did all three, I guess. I think it's like a year after Miracle Woman. So yeah, sweet. And then we've definitely talked about a lot of classic movies on the podcast, but the thirties is one that's, um, I feel like the forties is really the first decade where there's a lot of classic movies that um, I guess the general public nowadays is still invested in. Um, and the thirties is, is getting a little bit further back um, cause it's definitely the early thirties, a transitional period um, from silent films into right. It's called the, these films are even labeled uh, on the criterion channel as like the talkie era talkies, yeah. which I forget, which I forget is that was something that they referred to. Yeah. Films back then back as uh, talkies. Yeah. Talkies. Well, here are a couple of talkies that you can go check out. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll be watching more talkies as usual. Always. Yes. And we'll be back with more talkies soon. And we'll have some more series coming your way, um, coming up. And uh, yeah, let us know yeah, what you think. We've got of, lots of ideas. Yeah, let us know what you think of these uh, these two films if you get to check them out. And uh, yeah, we've got some more ideas brewing. So stay tuned. <laughs>